Many of you may be just like me. You have been in church for a long time. I have spent about two-thirds of my life in church. 44 years of my life in church. Now, some of you, you know, especially the seniors, you know, some of you have been here for 50 years or 55 years or 56 years to be exact because that's when the Glad Tidings was founded and you have been here right from the beginning. And just like me, you have heard thousands of sermons. You have been in thousands of services. If you add up all the services that you have attended, all right, and a prayer meeting, Bible studies, equipped classes, discipleship, singing, home fellowship, cell group, you know, you add up all of those, you know, that, that's, that there are a lot of services. And I preach in different kinds of services, some very small church, and uh, some even a very big church, like the Yoido Full Gospel Church, you know, tens of thousands that gather every week, in Bible conferences, in church camp, in seminars, in missions. And yet, I'm always excited about the church. After 44 years, I'm still excited about what God is doing in and through His church. Can somebody say amen to that? Hallelujah. Or perhaps we may, fall, we may fall into a rut. It is just like a friend who invited another friend to the church. And his friend has dropped out of church, but he knows about church services and all that. So this, this, this Christian who invited his friend to the church at the end of the service asked him, so how do you find the service? And the friend's reply kind of surprised him. The friend just says, well, it's a church. Now, this friend is usually very talkative. But, but his curt reply kind of shocked this Christian. And the Christian asked him, what, what do you mean? It's, it's a church. Can you, can you explain a little bit more? And the, and the friend says, well, it's a church. They come. They sing a few songs. They hear a sermon, they pray, and they go home. Is that what our idea of a church is? Let me tell you that God has more. God has more, even for the body that is called the church. Outside of the family, there is no other institution that is more important than the church. There's no political party, there's no government agency, there's no charity organization where God has invested His power and His authority into than the church. So the church, when you talk about the church, it's a very powerful organism that God has ordained, especially for our times as these. 
I believe with all my heart that it is in the church that we find the solutions and the answers to life and to all kinds of problems. The church is the one that holds the hope for the nation and for the world. If the church goes, there goes the nation, there goes the family, there goes society, there goes the world. But God has invested His authority and power in the church. And so this, this, this morning, I'd like to share about your church home, the gathering together. Taken from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exalting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Powerful verse. Talking about the gathering of God's people together. The church. When we talk about the church, what comes into your mind? Is it a building? Beautiful architecture? Beautiful edifices? How many of you want to attend that church there, right on the right-hand corner? Wow, look at the scenery right on top of the hill. I got this picture, I googled this picture and it seems that this is a church in Barcelona, Spain. Anybody have been there? I don't know. But according to the description, it's there. If you ever go to Spain, try to look that up, alright, and tell me. Or just a village church right in the heart of the village. Or better still, this church, do you recognize this church? Ha! Ah, hallelujah! <laughs> but when we talk about the church, it is more, as we all know, it is more than just a building. A building is just a building. And God uses buildings. Do not disregard, do not push aside buildings. If we do not have these buildings, where will we gather to have this kind of assembly together? But when we talk about the church, it comes from the word ecclesia. And ecclesia simply means the call out ones. Ek means out. Kalio means call. And it is not a religious term really. It can be used for any assembly. In Acts chapter 17, verse 39, it talks about the assembly in, the church, in, in Ephesus that were, the, that were composed of all the business people fighting against Paul. And in Acts chapter 7, verse 37, it talks about the assembly in the wilderness, which is called a church. At that time, there's no church in the days of Moses as yet, and yet it is called a church in, one transla in some translation. Basically, it is just the assembly of people. And the word church is first mentioned in Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus says to Peter, to Peter you know, you are Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church. That's the first time that the word church is used in the New Testament, and after that, it is used 115 times. So the church definitely is the people. 
specially called out by God. Each and every one of us called out by His name to become His special people. Now, it doesn't mean that any kind of people gathering together, assembling together becomes a church. No, there are certain characteristics that make them to become or to be known as, to be recognized as a church. But here we are gathered together as a church. There are many descriptions of the church and of course family is one of those. But basically, you find that, you know, it is a, the call out ones. And God has a plan and a purpose for the church, definitely. And it says here in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, not forsaking the assembly. The assembly, call out once. The gathering, all right, different translation, but I, I, I will use more of the term gathering together rather than just assembling. Now, of course, we are, we, are, we are a Pentecostal church and we are the assemblies of God church. So it is assembly, all right? So it is uh, biblical in that sense. You know, the assembly of God's people. So not forsaking the assembly. This is the imperative. Do not neglect the gathering together. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't neglect. Huh? And it is an imperative. An imperative means it is a command. It is a command. Do not forsake the assembly together. A command is a command. And God has reason to command His people not to forsake the assembling together. There are a lot of destruction, a lot of problems that will arise the moment we do not take heed of this command to assemble together. Now we know that in these days, there are a lot of challenges that we face even in assembling together. We thank the Lord for each and every one of you who faithfully gather in the house of the Lord on the Lord's Day and on other services. But sometimes, our, to, be, to be honest, you know, our, our, our attendance can fluctuate very greatly. Even. Chinese New Year, wow, more than half the congregation disappear. And we are talking about thousands, okay? Now about 10 or 20 people. And in, on some services, all right, in some services, suddenly, ah, uh, 400 people disappear. Where do you, where do they, I do not, I, I wanted to say, where did you go, where did you go? But I, I would just generalize it. Where do the, all the people go and disappear? Well, maybe Asia is one of the culprit. All right, now everyone can fly. <laughs> so you're flying everywhere, you know, on vacation. And, and, and that's fine. All right, you know, it's, it's part of your vacation plan. You need a break, go ahead. But sometimes we just have all kinds of excuses in not assembling together. All kinds of excuses. And we, and when, when asked sometimes, you know, hey, how come I didn't see you? You know, uh, 
The answer is, yeah, yeah, I know I should be there, but I think God understands. I tell you, God doesn't understand. Because God says in His Word already, God has already commanded, not forsaking the assembly. And then you say, God, I think you understand. God says, I give you a command, you don't do it. We are tricking ourselves. And in the busyness of life, when something has to give way to the busyness of your life and your schedule, guess what? The first thing that goes is the church attendance. You will sacrifice the church attendance the first, first of all. Well, whether it be the kids playing with the kids or just uh, sleep in or you know, some other projects that come out, the first thing that goes is attending church because we do not see it as that important. Now, there may be ve- sometimes there may be very, uh, uh, valid reasons, but other than that, it says here, as is the habit of some. Some have made it become habitual. Well, they miss services. They do not see the importance of it. But God sees the importance of it until it is put there as a command. You know why? Because if you forsake the assembling of yourselves together with other believers, you are heading for a downfall. In your spiritual life, and it may be in other areas as well, but first of all, in your spiritual life. You may say, never mind, lah. I just miss one service here, one service there, a few services there, you know, and, I, and I, I, I'm still a Christian. I, I, I'm still committed to the Lord. But guess what? You are beginning to backslide. And that's how people fall away from the faith. That's how people fall away from Christianity. By just missing a few services here and there and giving all kinds of excuses and before long, you don't see them in church anymore. And destruction and difficulties come their way because there's no spiritual protection anymore. There's no relationship with God anymore. The world and the, and, and the worldly cares take over their life and it is very very sad. It all begins, it all started when they failed to take heed to this command, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. As chapter 20, verse 7, on the first day of the week, when we were gathered together, there you, hear, you see the word again, gathered together, come together. And it was Paul in his last visit to the church at Ephesus. And when did it happen? On the first day of the week. Now, in the early church, Paul planted a lot of the churches there. It was very prolific. The churches were thriving and prolific. And it was their custom on the first day of the week, all of them gathered together. Nobody would ever think about missing it at all. And likewise also here on the first day of the week, which is the lost day, resurrection uh, 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 day. 
For us here, of course, is Sunday now. And Sunday used to be the lost day for all of us here. And remember the time when even businesses are closed and we wouldn't think about planning to do anything on the lost day. But nowadays, with a busy schedule, all kinds of things creep into our calendar. But for Paul, the lost day, important things are happening. Powerful things are happening. In the same manner as God told the Israelites, observe the Sabbath. They do not understand why. It's a wasted day. But it's a principle of God. When you observe the Sabbath, when you observe the lost day, when you honor God on the lost day, brothers and sisters, you find that there is a difference. God begins to work things out in your life that you never imagined possible because you honor the Lord on, on that day. Uh, oh, it's interesting what happens in Acts chapter 20, verse 7, and in the service that day, you go back and find out yourself. There was a long-winded preacher. The Apostle Paul, he preached until midnight. You know? I won't have time to go into this, but it's very interesting, but miracles continue to happen in the service there. On the lost day, let's set aside, let's do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And I thank the Lord for, for you church people. And I see you all coming faithfully, you know, and, and, and in spite of all the challenges that you face. Sometimes there are physical prohibitions. But I see people coming in wheelchair. I see people coming even with canes. People like Sister Helena still there faithfully. Hallelujah. Let's give her a hand, shall we? <laughs> if you know her circumstances, she could have easily said, no, that's the end of my, of, my, of, of my church attendance. No. And there are many others like her, many of you here. Praise the Lord for that. And it is not just a matter of attendance, really. But what happens? What happens when you assemble together, when you gather together? What happens? Before that, let me share with you again why it's so important to go to church. Before I was a Christian, I was a Buddhist. And I was really hungry for God. I was searching for God, really. So I came across a Bible verse in a book which I thought was a book on psychology. But actually, it was by a Christian author. He says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. Philippians 4.13, that, that aroused my curiosity. Who is this Jesus Christ? I tell you, if anybody will come and share with me in the one-minute witness, I will immediately accept Jesus already. But nobody shared with me anything. So I searched and searched for Jesus for two years. You know, 
I interviewed uh, 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 cultic leaders. I, 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 I talked to religious people. I read all kinds of books. I, I even tried to read the Bible, but could not understand. For two years, I searched. Until finally, I said, ah, I give up. And just as I was about to give up in my search for Jesus Christ, on January the 2nd, 1975, As I was just cycling on my way home, just as an adolescent, about to give up in my search for Jesus Christ, suddenly I heard a voice, an inner voice that spoke to me. And you know what the voice told me? I have searched for Jesus Christ everywhere, in the libraries, in religious institutions, among religious world leaders, I've searched for him everywhere. But I missed out one place. And the voice just spoke to me three words. Go to church. Are you all so simple? So cannot know, cannot understand at that time. No, of course, if you want to search for God, for, for, for Jesus Christ, you must, you know, search for him where? In his father's house. His parents, you know, when he was 12 years old, were searching for him everywhere. Finally, they found him in the temple doing the father's business. And so, the voice told me, just go to church. And I went to church, and it was there that I had an encounter, powerful encounter with God. That's why I believe, go to church. The exact words that God gave to me is still very powerful. Nowadays, of course, there are many people that say, you don't go to church, you are the church. All right, you know. And that, in a way, is true, all right. But then, nevertheless, we still need the church. There are some people who say, ah, I don't need to go to church. These are called the Facebook Christians. <laughs> oh, from Facebook, from YouTube and all that, they can have the best preacher. But the Bible here says, not forsaking the assembly. You know? You cannot be a lone ranger Christian. Christianity is never an isolated relationship with God. <coughs> there are too many, <coughs> too many Facebook Christians that think that they can just hear a good sermon, download on YouTube and, and whatnot, and that's it. But that's not church. Church means what? The assembling of God's people together. That's what it is. And there are those who say, Oh, I do not believe in the local church. I believe and I belong to the universal church. You ask them, where is the universal church? Oh, it's, it's invisible. Okay, so who is the pastor there? The other day, somebody told me, I, 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 I believe in a universal church. There's no such thing. Yes, the body of Christ is universal. But the emphasis is always on the local church. The psalmist said, Psalm 122 verse 1, I was glad. I was glad. And they told me to go to the house of the Lord. These are the happy 
churchgoers. These are glad tidings people. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let me tell you what happens when we assemble together. The importance we gather in His name. We gather together in His name. Look at what Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 to 22, our passage of Scripture, just a few verses back. Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God. Friends, when we gather together, we enter into the presence of Almighty God. We draw near to God. Some of you wonder, but I'm a sinful person. God is a holy person. How can I ever draw near to God? You see, it's made possible. He says we have confidence to enter the most holy place already. And it is by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so when we come together, friends, it's not just attending church. It's not just attending another service. It's not just going to Sunday school. It's not just hearing the word of the Lord. Preached by a popular preacher. It's more than an invitation to sit through a one and a half hour of service. But it is entering into the presence of Almighty God. That's what happens every time that you enter here. There's a promise of God's word there. And so it's the presence of God that we are talking about. How do you draw near into the presence of God? When you come to church, you prepare your heart already. God, I'm going to meet you. Where? Over in the house of God. I'm going to meet you in your house, oh Lord. You prepare your heart even before you come. And as you come, you push aside everything. And when it's time to worship, you give your whole heart to the Lord. You give up your best unto the Lord. And when it comes to the word of the Lord, you put aside every distraction. You put aside your handphone. Yes, I'm talking to you, to you, to you. Those who are playing on your handphone right now. Now, those, of course, some of you are taking notes on your handphone. I know that you're not playing. Praise the Lord for that. I do that all the time. When I take notes of every preacher. You focus your attention on the Lord. You draw near to the presence of God. Some of us are so, are, are so greatly in need of a touch from God. And yet, when we are in the presence of God, we do not give Him 
our full attention. We play on the handphone. We send messages here and there. And then at the end of the service, we pray, Oh God, heal me! Hey, who are we fooling? You think God just in an instant just will, will answer you when you haven't even bothered about His presence? When His presence is there, you must catch it. You never know when God will turn up. It may be in the first song itself. It may be in the last amen. It may be in between. You never know. You give Him the fullest attention, Lord. I desire to draw near to you. Lord, I, I have this need. I don't have an answer. But I look to you, dear Lord. I focus on you. Something is bound to happen because we are gathering in the name of the Lord. It says here, not just the presence, but also the person of Jesus Christ. We have what? A great high priest. In the house of the Lord. We are talking about Jesus Christ and His presence over His house. Brothers and sisters, this is not my house, this is not your house. When you come to church, it's the house of God. Somebody say amen. And you give Him your fullest attention and you recognize who's, who's the most important person. Some people come to church expecting a comedian up on stage to tell them a few jokes or a few exciting, interesting stories or an exceptionally charismatic preacher that will keep them awake. My friend, the focus is on the great priest over the house of God. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. As a high priest, he looks over each and every one of our needs. He hears our cries. If you just focus your attention on Jesus Christ, because we are gathered in his name. Bible here tells us very clearly, for where two or three are gathered, what? In my name. There am I in their midst. The Bible does not say for where two or three are. It doesn't stop there. I play golf with another person, two person there. Where two are. But that's not a church. You go out for a meal with three persons. Three are. But still not a church. Until what? Gathered in my name. The gathering of God's people. The assembly of God's people. That's what makes the difference. It's not just anywhere. Two or three persons. You know, they may just sing a few songs, crack a few jokes. That's not a church. Until they recognize, hey, we are the call at once. We are gathered together in the name of the Lord. And when you gather together in the name of the Lord, powerful things begin to happen. Oh, hallelujah. 
All kinds of needs will be met because the great high priest looks over you. Thanks to your needs, hears your cry, comfort your heart, heal your sicknesses, deliver you from all kinds of bondages. He's the great high priest in the house of the Lord. And he still is. What makes the difference between this gathering called a church and any other gathering? It is in the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ. That's what makes the difference. And when two or three are gathered together, it is more than just a gathering singing a few songs, hear a sermon. It is when Christ is preeminent in that meeting. When Christ is lifted up, when Christ is honored. That's what makes it so powerful. Unto him be the glory in the church. In this church here, he receives the glory. Nobody else. And whatever he does here is for his glory. Miracles can happen and will happen when we gather in his name. Remember Hannah? She was barren. So disappointed, she thought that God has forsaken her. God has not heard her cries. To make matters worse, her husband's second wife was very fruitful and began to mock Hannah, ridicule and made fun of her because she was barren. In her despairing moment, where did she turn to? And what did she do? Bible says she went to, to the tabernacle, to the church then, all right, our church here. She went to the tabernacle. She began to seek God in prayer. And there was this half past six priest who thought that, hey, this woman, She's talking gibberish. She's drunk. And she's, the priest even scolded her. Hey, what are you doing? Drunk, you've been drunk in the house of the Lord. And Hannah have to say, no, my Lord, I'm not drunk. I'm in distress. I'm broken. Ah, then Samuel realized, uh, uh, not Samuel, sorry, uh, Eli Eli realized it. And Eli released a word of blessing to her. The Lord bless you. And guess what happened? The moment that word of blessing was released, wow, Hannah knew that God had heard her cry in the house. And she was filled with joy. She can go back. She can get out of that tabernacle with the assurance of the blessings of God. And sure enough, in due time, she bore a child to become one of the, the greatest judge in the whole of Israel by the name of Samuel.
That's what happens when you come to the house of the Lord in the name of God. What is your heart's cry? Reach out by faith unto the Lord. The great high priest continues to look over each and every one of us. And he'll hear your cry. You come, you worship him, you praise him, you reach out to him. Miracles will happen. There was a little boy who had a stone and he saw a bird perched on a limb of a tree. And he took up that stone and was about to throw at the bird. But then suddenly, as he was ready to throw that stone, the bird began to sing, chirping away happily up there on the branch. The boy paused for a while, listened to the chirping and the singing of the bird. And after that, just put down the rock. His friend saw it and said, hey, why didn't you throw the stone at the, at the bird? That's what you wanted to do. And this boy said, yeah, I wanted to do that. But I stopped because the bird sang. The bird sang. And when you hear the bird singing, you have no, no, he has no heart, he has no way to even kill the bird. And that's what happens also. When we begin to worship the Lord, when we begin to sing praises, Friends, Satan already has his arrow pointed at you. He already has his arrow pointed at you to, to kill every, every faith that you may have, to plant doubts in your heart. He has his arrow ready to shoot at you. And then he heard the singing of the, and the praises of God's people. And when he hears that, he will be disarmed like that little boy. He cannot throw that stone. Satan cannot attack a believer who is worshipping the name of the Lord. So the Bible here tells us the whole church will gather together. 1 Corinthians 14, 23. And you see the number of references that say, gather together, come together, come together, gather together. And when they gather together, something always happens. Something happened. Of course, chapter 11 talks about the breaking of the bread. When you come together, but in other verses, when you come together, you know, First uh, Corinthians chapter 14, uh, verse 26 and 23, when you come together, it's not if you come together. No, it's taken for granted when you come together. Not if you come together whenever you feel like it, but when you come together, God shows up. At least you are refreshed. I studied for my doctorate degree in Kentucky. And then in Kentucky, there is a famous cave called the Mammoth Cave. There's something about that cave. I don't know, that's what they say. He says that everybody who goes into that cave, the mammoth cave, if you spend about two, three hours inside the cave, something about the air in that cave will kind of rejuvenate you and refresh you. 
that when you step out of that cave, you will smell in a different way, in a heightened sense of awareness and smell. Or you can smell the flowers, you can smell the grass around you, and there is a different kind of, it's almost like you got a new nose. Alright? Because there's something about the air in that cave that just kind of purifies your system, you know, that has been defiled or polluted in some ways, and when you go out, you can smell even better every scent, you know, around the surroundings you can pick up. That's what happens when you come to church as well. When you are surrounded in the presence of God, the air that you breathe in, oh, the word that you receive, you know, and the, and the songs and the presence of God and the person of Jesus Christ, even if there's nothing physical that happens to you when you step out, my friends, you are not the same anymore. God has raised up your, your awareness of your problem perhaps and how to solve it. God has raised up the awareness of the dangers that are around you. You are able to smell it, you are able to sense it, and God will grant you a heightened manner of dealing with whatever that you are facing. When we gather together in the name of Jesus Christ, it's powerful. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And lastly, when we gather together, we give. Of course, in the church, many times you grew up with the concept, now what can I get from the church service today? We come with a mentality, what can I get? Consumerism, they call it. The church has become, the church has catered to consumerism among the members. It's just each one wanting to get blessings from the Lord and all that. That's fine, all right? That's what we want, definitely, you know. But if, if, if we can just look at the word of the Lord and, and, and see what the word of the Lord says. He says, you know, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, but, but exhort one another. You see, the focus is not just you getting, but rather you ministering, you giving, exhortation. What is exhortation? It is, it is, a, it is, it is a, a ministry towards the next person. It is to talk to somebody. It is to minister. It is to, to even uh, 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 advise spiritually on whatever it is. It is to encourage somebody. When we come together, the, the reason is to give, is to minister, really, and not just receiving all the time. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. How is it then, brethren? When you come together, again here, each one of you have what? You have something to give. Each one of you. When we gather together, each one of us, we have something to give. We have a psalm to give unto the Lord or to share with somebody. We have a teaching. We have a tongue. We have a revelation. You may have received certain revelation from the Lord. You have an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. Friends, you do not know the person sitting next to you may be so depressed, may be thinking all kinds of negative things, may even be thinking of committing suicide. 
if you just have a word for the person, you can save that life. And all of us are in need of encouragement, don't we? How do you do all of that? Sometimes it's just a simple smile. Come on, turn to your neighbor and smile. Now, don't you? Sometimes it's just a simple acknowledgement. Some, some of you have been sitting beside somebody else, you know, for how long and you don't even know the person. It's just acknowledging the person, getting to know the person, and the person, wow, finally found a friend in you. Nobody is looking for a friendly church. But everybody is looking for a friend. Be that friend. Minister. Let the Lord use you in whatever way. It's not just getting, 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 but exhorting one another. Whatever gifting the Lord has given to us, you can minister encouragement. The Bible says, provoke one another. Stir up one another. That's what we need. Sometimes in life, we get discouraged very easily. Oh, a little bit of encouragement. Oh, sister, you are doing great. You know, you know being a single, single uh, uh, parent is not easy. But I see your child, you know, and uh, the child is in, 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 in the Lord, you know. The child is growing up, you know, great, you know. And uh, you face many challenges, you know. And you pray with a person. That will, that will mean a lot to the person. Rather than condemning the person. Hey, what happened to your husband? Huh? You know? So you find that we are to edify. Everything must be for edification. Let all things be done for edification. That's why the church is the happiest place in the world. That's why in the church, you know, there is edification and encouragement that ought to be. We must constantly make it our aim to encourage one another. Sometimes the pastors need encouragement as well. Encourage all our pastors, okay? Encourage one another. Amen? Hallelujah. Let all things be done for edification. You have a gifting. And I thank God for each and every one of you. When we come together, it is not just to receive. There are so many people serving. Out in the traffic control, you know, in the console. And look at all this worship team, you know. They are one of the first to come, you know. And they have to stay back until afternoon. And uh, so many people, they come, they brought their giftings, each one of them have something to give, and they give out, and as a result, the Lord is blessing our church. And many of you are giving out, not only to the body of Christ here, but even to unbelievers. I know many of you are reaching out to the lost, you know, and during this Chinese New Year, so many of you have reached out to the lost as well. Praise God. Use that gifting, give, give. The body of Christ is to give. That's what the church is here for. To minister, <clears throat> to encourage one another. I like this word. And it says here, <clears throat> you do all of these things, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as is the manner of some, 
but exhorting one another what and so much the more so much the more not so less our commitment is not lesser but it is even more especially when you see the day approaching the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ he is coming soon so so much the more so much the more we must gather together as often as possible not just on the last day on Sunday in cell group in prayer meeting you know wherever you have the opportunity to gather together so much the more then you'll be strong then you will be an influencer and you will make an impact and we as a church will be strong together Thank God for each and every one of you that makes the church strong. Thank God for your participation. And we see souls getting saved every week. Thank God for each and every one of us. So let us build the church home for everybody. Your church home. Gathering together, not neglecting together, and we gather in the name of the Lord And we gather To give and not just to get This Is my home church This Is your home church Let's do it together Let's build it together Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand Amen